for being here. I'm Zach. I'm 16 years old, and, and I'm the founder of Talk with Zach, a Gen Z space for important conversations. And today, I'm so excited to be talking about healthy relationships and how to recognize signs of unhealthy relationships with Katie Hood. Katie is the CEO of One Love, and her mission is to educate young people as they enter the dating world so they could have healthy and positive relationships. Welcome, Katie, and thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. Yeah, I'm really excited to be speaking with you. I know that relationships are something that a lot of people my age and college students especially want to know more about. So to start off, I know that college students are relatively new to dating, and we grew up thinking we know what love is, but we aren't really taught that. And I know mm-hmm. you've mentioned this a lot. And sometimes we don't recognize the difference between healthy love and unhealthy behaviors. You have this great analogy where you say that if someone is being Yoda on a first date, you know instantly that it's unhealthy. But a lot of times, unhealthy behavior is a lot more subtle and often seems flattering at first. Like a person pays so much attention to you that you don't realize that they're actually being controlling. Why is it hard at the beginning of a relationship to notice behaviors we should watch out for? Yeah, that's a great question. So I I think I'll start just to give a little history. One Love was started after a young woman named Yardley Love was killed at the University of Virginia by her ex-boyfriend. And essentially, I'm a close friend of the family. They had no idea she was at risk. So you think about it, you see stories in the news, three women a day are killed in abusive relationships. You think somebody must have known, somebody must have seen something. But because we're not really taught about healthy and unhealthy, and because abuse tends to sneak up on you, and you want to call it different things, you want to call it too much drinking, you want to call it drama, you want to call you want to call it anything but abuse. We don't systematically, you don't know what you're in. You don't know you need help. So One Love was started basically to try to teach about unhealthy relationship behaviors so that you recognize them before they become abuse. Because if you recognize them early, it's easier to get out. Um, In the course of teaching about unhealthy relationship behaviors, one of the number one question that young people ask is, how do I help a friend? They recognize that they or a friend need help, that they now understand that what they thought was drama could actually be something worse. The second question is, what does healthy look like? Um, so the reason it's so important to go early and talk about unhealthy um, is it's for for this issue, um, these these behaviors are very consistent across all different kinds of people. So it's possible to create a language to codify the 10 unhealthy, 10 healthy signs, and then give everybody that language so that they can understand what they're seeing in their lives. And, you know, I think when I think back on my own history with trying to figure out dating and relationships and whatnot, I tended to code a lot of things in emotion and how I felt and not necessarily in what the behavior was that was problematic. So uh, that, that's how I would, that's why I think about getting ahead of the problem and really empowering yourself with this knowledge about what unhealthy and unhealthy are. Yeah, I think what you said is so important because a lot of times it's also that we don't recognize it. We blame it on other things because we don't know that these type of behaviors are abuse. And a warning sign that you talk a lot about is isolation because in the beginning of a relationship, couples tend to spend a lot of time together. But what are some ways that a partner might try to isolate you from your friends and family as the relationship progresses? And what does that sound like? Like, what are some things your partner might try to say to isolate you? And what are some things they might do? Yeah, I talk about isolation a lot because um, 
I don't think that we think about that at all when we're starting to talk to somebody or see somebody. It really can show up in a very flattering way. So it can show up as, I just want to be with you all the time, or um, I care about you so much. I just, let's just spend all of our time together. And, and you're like flattered. Isn't this what you're supposed to have been looking for your whole life? Like somebody who really loves you, wants to be with you, et cetera. Um, it can show up in, in, in also in, in trying to turn you away from your friends or family. Um, this also looks, it's pretty, I think as soon as I give these examples, you'll recognize it, but it's somebody who says, why do you hang out with those friends? They don't like me. Or why do you hang out with those people? They're such losers. Or um, your, fa your family doesn't want us to work. So it's an isolation basically is tethering you to them. So, you know, bringing you in, making you feel comfortable and desired and cared for and loved, but also simultaneously tethering you to them as opposed to your prior support network. All of us, when I started doing this work, I immediately understood that I had blamed friends for, oh, now you're dating somebody. Now you're with somebody. You're, you don't have time for us. But I never once thought maybe that's what's being required by their partner. Um, so I think the more we talk about it, the better, because it can feel so flattering. Um, and you can understand sometimes we do have family members or friends who aren't supportive of a relationship. But keeping your prior relate your ties to your friends and your network of support is critical, um, because otherwise, when if you need help, you won't have anybody to go to. Yeah, exactly. And I think if someone's trying to bring you away, I think in some cases, like that can be true with friends or family. But if it's a pattern that keeps on happening with everyone they're, they're previously involved with, I think that's when you really know that something's up. I think it's time to address it. And I think another thing that a lot of people sort of struggle with is it's difficult to decipher being clingy, sort <laughs> of what you're talking about with this uh, isolation. But being clean versus wanting to spend time with someone, you said that there's a difference between being needy and getting our needs met. So can you give us an example that would show the difference of what each situation would look like? Yeah, I will give you an example of the, the clingy one's a really good example. I think as soon as you said that word, I thought to myself, you sort of know it when you feel it. You know the difference. I always say trust your gut is the most important thing is you know when it feels like somebody's just being super clingy versus um, versus like a norm normal healthily and we want to be together. Um, I think that it's 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 interesting to understand the context. We teach about healthy from the context of wanting to help people avoid abusive partners. Abusive partners they're really excited by this idea that they um, they control you. Control is a little bit of the wrong word, but that you're dependent on them. You're tethered to them. They, I always say it's like they like pushing you away and pulling you back. It's like it somehow shows um, it's the drama cycle that can we can because of the media we consume, we can think, well, that's what love's like. Right. It's that's that's passion. That's emotion. But that drama cycle is really fundamentally unhealthy. Um, so needy, needy is, should be thought about in the context of independence. So in my opinion, all of us, all of us have needs that should be met and we have to understand our partner's needs. We have to understand having open dialogue, feeling something in your gut, and then having the courage to say, can we just talk about what happened? Because I feel like I want to be here for you. I want to be supportive of you, but I also feel like 
there's always something else and I'm not seeing my friends anymore. And I want to be with you and I care about you, but I need to keep my people too. You know, like I think learning to have those conversations and normalizing this discussion, what you can in the beginning stages of a relationship, you're still so uncertain. Do they really like me? You know, so many of us have, have been sort of ghosted or left behind or whatever it is that we come into relationships with a little bit of fear. So the neediness can just be part of the confidence building phase, but having open conversations about when it starts to infringe on your independence, which is a truly healthy relationship behavior sign, I think is a really important thing that anybody, everybody can put into practice. Yeah, I think a lot of times people are afraid to discuss the cleanliness and instead they just either leave or just act out in other ways. Because I think when you're addressing it, they're afraid that they're saying, oh, I don't want to be with you. But instead, it's just setting a really important boundary, which is I really like spending time with you. But this constant desire and like need to be together is just too much and it's unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, one one of the other healthy signs of a healthy relationship is healthy conflict. Um, yeah. And that is the one that I struggle with the most. If, if my partner were here, he would tell you that. Um, it's something I have to work on every day. I am conflict avoidant. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I don't want to make them think I don't like them, to your point. I don't want them to get mad at me. But learning to speak through, it, it's something that practice can help. It can start by saying, look, I feel really awkward bringing this up. My biggest fear is you're going to think I don't want to be with you or that I'm like criticizing you or whatever. But I just need to let you know how I'm feeling. If you don't know how I'm feeling, um, I'm just going to keep bottling it up. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'd rather just us have an open conversation. And I want it to be part of how, you know, it, it's a little like there's different stages of relationships. But if, you, if you're past the talking stage, you're spending more time together, this, that, and the other that's the time to start investing in these more significant conversations because how you work through your feelings is probably the most important part of any relationship. And too often we don't speak. Um, somebody said to me once, you know, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me, I think everybody's heard that phrase. Like when we assume how, how somebody's going to react, we lose an opportunity to, to get to know each other better and we lose an opportunity to build trust. So I'm not saying it's easy. I, but I do think with practice, um, it gets easier. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people are scared to engage in these conversations because they fear conflict, they fear fighting. But that's actually what makes a relationship strong is to get through that together, to really have a conversation. I mean, it's inevitable to have conflict, but I don't think a relationship strength should be measured necessarily on how frequently someone fights. I mean, obviously, to some degree. But a lot of it is just, from my perspective, is getting through it and having healthy dialogue throughout to right. settle those differences. Well, I would say something a little bit differently. Uh, volatility, which is the ups and downs, like the yeah. constant breakups, makeups, the, you know, throwing something across the room, running out, slamming the yeah. door, and then like passionately getting back together. I love you. That actually is a sign of an unhealthy and potentially dangerous relationship. Yeah, so I think. That, that volatility should be paid attention to fighting, disagreeing, having different opinions. Um, this is a normal part of two human beings trying to forge a path together. So if, if we don't um, learn how to 
it takes work. I mean, geez, it takes work. I, I, I can't tell you how much time I've spent in my own life working on getting comfortable with speaking up. Um, if you find, I will say, because I want to teach about healthy, I also want, if you find that you can never bring something up with your partner for fear of how they're going to respond, that could be intensity. You're fearing an intense response. You're fearing jealous response. Um, jealousy is normal. Intense jealousy, excessive jealousy is not. So if you're seeing that you never speak up for fear of how they're going to react, that's big warning sign. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's really important as well, because if you're afraid of a certain reaction, if you're physically afraid or verbally afraid, that's 100% something to look out for. And I think this like point um, sort of ties into my next question, which is we all experience jealousy, especially in the talking stage in the beginning of a relationship. But what are some ways uh, to tell the difference between this normal feeling of jealousy and excessive feelings? Um. So I think jealousy is normal. It's a normal human emotion. It's what you do with it that um, decides whether it's healthy or unhealthy. Um, I do think that even just saying to yourself, wow, this stage of a relationship is like super anxiety provoking. It's normal for me to be wondering whether they really like me. It's normal for me to be afraid that they're just stringing me along. Like these are nor this phase of the relationship is when we're sort of getting to know each other. And so my feelings that might be causing me to be jealous um, or causing me to, again, assume or overinterpret different things, um, that is, that's, that's normal here, and I just need to acknowledge it. The second thing is, like, really try not to engage in the behaviors we all want to engage with around, like, stalking people online, seeing, like, you can create behavioral patterns that make you crazier, you know, that make you have it, you know, I, where are they? Find my iPhone, like tracking where they are, knowing who they're with, reviewing their social media and their tweet, anything, their posts for the last however long. Look, we all do it. But if the more you do it, the more jealous you're likely to become. And honestly, the more false narratives you might start telling yourself in your head. Um, I think that jealousy often has to do with false narratives. Um, sometimes it has to do with bad behavior. Sometimes there's a reason to be jealous. Um, but being able to talk to your partner about, you know, listen, it's all about positioning the healthy and the unhealthy. I want you to be independent. I want, for, for example, say you had a girlfriend and she has a very close guy friend. This is a very common situation yeah, that she has time with that goes on vacation with her family. Like th this happens all the time, right? So being able to say, um, I want you to be independent. I want you to be friends with him. I, I do not want to do anything to, to separate you from somebody you care about so much, but I do need to let you know, it's so hard for me not to be jealous and I want to be rational about it. I want to be able to talk to you about it, I, but I, more than anything, I want you to know that I'm going to work to manage it. Like, and I'm going to work to build our relationships so that our trust increases. And again, these are not easy conversations to have. And I'm like an almost 50 year old woman. You would have better language for your age group, but the, the idea of learning to bring it up and put it out there. And now that it's out there, it's actually something you can actively work on. Um, intense jealousy manifests itself in stalking. It manifests itself in tirades. Um, you know, we have a bunch of different films that show this, like calling your phone incessantly. Um, where are you? Where are you? Are you 500 texts in a, you know, it, it, it's obsessive and consuming. Um, and it is scary. 
So the difference between having a conversation, I'm a little bit jealous about your best friend and I'm now going to stalk you guys everywhere that you go. Like there's a clear difference between those two things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of times though, I mean, jealousy is just inevitable. Like you said, it's just something we all do. And I think while that can be normal, I feel like you really have to understand like, is this normal or is this something excessive? Are they tracking my location everywhere? Are they always wanting to know who I'm with, where I'm at? And I think like, knowing what's normal and knowing what's too much is just really important. But right. some degree of jealousy is probably going to be there. Right. I, one thing that makes me so happy when we do our workshops and our, and our work, and um, if people want to go deeper with this, like please reach out to us at joinonelove.org because we have campus ambassador programs and different ways you can get involved. But one of my favorite things about this work is that you show the 10 signs, you talk about what they are, all of us have so much, the thing we probably have the most experience in life is relationships. It's just like, if you think about data, it's just not structured very well to understand. The 10 signs really become a way of going, oh, like that's what's happening to me. Or sometimes I, I recently talked to a college student who said, I did One Loves Programming in high school. I'd never had a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend in college. Um, I actually broke up with her because I didn't like how jealous I was being. I recognized that I was unhealthy jealous. And I told her, I need to, I need to work on some of me before I can be good with you. And I was like, yes, that is exactly, I firmly believe that abuse is so prevalent. Yes, there's some narcissistic personalities and abusive people who we're not going to teach them to love better. But there's a whole lot of us that just don't have the knowledge and the understanding. And if with the knowledge, listen, all of us want healthy relationships. Who wants to be in a bad relationship? Bad relationships are terrible. So you, we put these tools in people's hands and you can immediately start making different decisions and recognizing not just the behavior somebody's doing to you, but the behaviors in yourself. I love that point because I think going into this conversation, I was thinking of... Uh, letting people know what might be happening to them. But I feel like looking inside is so important as well, because a lot of people like don't even realize they're doing a lot of these behaviors. And I think noticing it in yourself and stepping away and saying, you know, I'm not ready for a relationship right now. Yeah, exactly. That is so important as well. What you said at the beginning, sorry to interrupt you. Um, The reason we focus on emotional abuse, which is really what these 10 unhealthy signs are is because all of us have experienced it. Um, we grow up in homes where abuse is so prevalent or bad behavior is prevalent. We're never taught about what they are and how to be healthy. Um, and so, and the media normalizes it. The media, even like the, I say to my young kids, like beauty and the beast is not the goal. Like if, if a beast steals you from your family, locks you in a tower, um, forces you to wear the clothes they want and show up when they want and then rages at you, they're never going to be a prince, right? But we have these, these fairy tales, at, even at the youngest age, my little kids watch these, they've normalized this drama and this emotional volatility that really we should be saying, yeah, that makes a good story. But the truth is for a lasting relationship, you want one that's, that's a little more anchored in trust and respect and the healthy things and, and calmness. I mean, I, I remember when I met my husband, I've never been in an abusive relationship, but I've been in many unhealthy ones. Um, I felt a calmness with him 
very early on. The drama of the past relationships wasn't there. And part of that was because we had, we'd really gotten to know each other well before we started dating. We were friends first. So when the decision was made to take it to the next level, there was always such a solid base of communication and trust. So in this world where people are meeting folks, you know, every, everywhere, Reddit, you know, online, you know, wherever, it, how, it, the harder challenge is how do you really get to know somebody so that when you make the decision to actually go to the next level, um, you have some trust to build on. And I think that's going to be different for every person. And certainly when you're 15, you're not looking for your forever relationship. But again, the idea that like you're learning how to do relationships well in your early relationships and that th these are practice for the future is one that I wish had been planted in my head earlier. I guess the one point I want to make is you don't just have to practice healthy in your dating relationships. You can practice them in your friendships too. So it's even if like you're not in a, a committed relationship or dating anybody or with anybody um, and you're, you know, just seeing people or talking to people, which is, is a relationship. Let me be clear. That is a relationship, but you can be working on practicing healthy in all the relationships in your life. Yeah. And now, I'm, I mean, this point of communication is really difficult for people. I, I know that a lot of times they're worried to ask about their status. What are your tips on that? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I guess, I mean, I lived it. So like, please, I, I, if I, if I were my younger self, I would have no advice for you. <laughs> I handled it badly every time, but doing what I, what I do now, I mean, we have to recognize that a lot of that comes from insecurity um, and not wanting to be rejected, you know? And so it's, it's funny. I, I think that if we can change our mindset about relationships that like the, the whole, our early relationships are like a search to understand what we like. And what kinds of attributes do we like in people and not like? I think about it like my relationships are how I learn about what I want and what I need in a relationship and how I practice, how that's just like a job. Actually, that's so weird to make that analogy. But like after I graduated from college, I had a bunch of very different jobs and all of them helped me figure out where I needed to be. It's the same thing with relationships. Yeah, I think this is like, that's some great advice. Just like taking that stress off because when you don't talk about it, it just becomes worse and worse and worse. And then there's more feelings of insecurity and it can turn into something really, really toxic. My my next question is about teasing because I know it's really common in relationships as a way of flirting, especially in my experience, but sometimes it can actually hurt the other person. For instance, if the if one belittles you, but then says, oh, I'm just kidding. Can you talk about why often we don't recognize how this is unhealthy? Sorry, unhealthy and how confusing that can be. Yeah, I think that there's a difference between teasing and belittling is the way that I would say it. I think that teasing is a normal part of, I tease my kids, I tease I tease my friends. I, teasing is banter. It's not personal. It's not cutting. It's not shame oriented. Um, it's, it's, it's a normal part of human in, uh, reaction or human intera interaction belittling has an edge to it. So belittling is um, really harsh things. So back to the push-pull in an abusive relationship. I don't even know why I'm with you. You are such a waste of space. You're such a waste of time. You're just lucky I spend time with you. That's, we said slightly differently, but that idea. If somebody is saying that, that is not teasing. That is like breaking you down. Um, 
they might apologize for it. I'm so sorry. It's just because in my last relationship, have every excuse under, I saw you roll your eyes, every excuse under the sun for why they did it. Well, guess what? That's gaslighting because actually it's not your fault that they did it. It's, it's their fault that they did it. And you can't, but you want to say, oh, it was just because the early days of a relationship can be so exciting and fun when they say, I just want it to be like it was in the beginning. I'm so sorry. We all want it to be like it was in the beginning when it was really good. But if you see this pattern over and over, not good. Um, the other thing with belittling is if someone's really nice to you one-on-one, -on -one, but as soon as you're in a group, they make jokes at your expense. Um, that's a huge warning sign. That's a, a, to me, that's like using you as social fodder, so to speak, like social part of your social, your socialization with other people is to bring you down. That is something that if you see that, my strong recommendation would be the first time that happens to you, say, I, I need to let you know how much that hurt me. I felt like, I know that you were teasing. You can give them the benefit of the doubt. I know you were teasing, but I think when it takes on this edge, it feels hurtful and it feels really embarrassing. How they respond is everything. If they say, you're just overreacting, you take everything so seriously, why can't you take a joke? What's wrong with you? That's not a good sign. If they say, I am sincerely sorry, and you see them working on not doing that again, that's a great sign. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, a lot of times, like, it could be misinterpreted as well. Like, uh, your partner might think it's just, like, harmless teasing, but actually it's a lot more hurtful. So I think setting that boundary there is just really, really important. And now another thing about boundaries is that Sometimes if you feel like they're not getting respected, how can you tell if your partner is just not respecting your boundaries or your boundaries are actually unreasonable and you need to look inwards? That's a really good question. Um, and it's actually related to the prior one. So two people in a relationship are two different people. And I think sometimes people really care about each other, but what they need out of a relationship is totally different and that's never going to work, right? Um, and boundaries are part of that. So the way I think about boundaries, and then I'd love for you to give me a specific example, but like every person getting to know yourself is a pretty important part of being in a relationship. If you, I just had one of my friends reach out and say, if we're not good with ourselves, how can we be good with somebody else? And understanding your boundaries is a really important piece of that. So a boundary could be, um, I really don't like it when you show up unannounced like when I'm hanging with my friends. Somebody might say, well, whatever, we're like hanging out. That's in my comfort zone. But the job of the person who's just gotten the feedback is to understand and say, all right, that's part of your deal. That may not work for, you don't have to have this conversation, but in your head, you should go, do I want to be with somebody who's so like strict on that? Um, but that's again, part of the process of getting to know what each other needs. Um, to figure out, are we a match or are we not? You can be really passionate and attracted and into somebody and actually need fundamentally different things in a relationship. So, um, and I think actually a lot of unhealthy relationships, that a lot of the drama relation, that's at the crux of it is that people need different things. And even if they really are into each other and like each other, they just can't, they can either change over time. But I think, you know, it's more likely that they're probably not the right long-term match. Got it. Yeah. I, I think like that compatibility aspect, like knowing, like, I think that's a really good way to tell, like, does this work for both people? Do the boundaries work for both people? And if not, then that's the question you should be asking yourself. 
are you two really good for each other? It's really important to discuss these things and really have everything out in the open. And another thing is like, oftentimes we could see that a friend is in an unhealthy relationship, but we don't know how to help because they say they really like this person. So what's the best way to support them? And like, especially if you're worried about them and what can you say so they don't feel judged? Yes. Um, so the, so keep in mind, if you have, if you have concerns about somebody's significant other, I, I can, I personally, I know that when I did, I would come to my friend and I would say, I don't like them with you. Like, I don't like the way they treat you. I don't like this. I don't like that. That's never going to work. Wrong strategy. Like never works for me. Doesn't work for anybody because the person in the relationship actually cares about the person. And if it's an abusive relationship, the stakes are even higher because that significant other has probably been saying your friend Katie is totally against us. And now all I'm doing is validating that he's right. Right. So, so the better approach is to really focus on the behaviors um, and to focus on um, not the person, the behavior. So I don't, you know, for example, like um, you always used to do X, Y, Z activity. And it seems like you've given that up. Like, I totally get you're in this relationship and it's exciting, but do you miss it? Like, are you going to, are you going to come back? Like we miss you on the team or whatever it is. A focus on, um, ask them questions. Um, so your job, it's the hardest job in the world, especially if you're really fearful is to keep the line of communication open. I guess that would be my answer. Keep the lines of communication open, understand the real warning signs that mean you have to move from being a supportive friend to, to getting help and services. A lot of times it doesn't feel safe to leave and it yeah. could even actually be dangerous. So what kind of support would someone need to get to be able to leave safely? And then where can they turn to, to get help? Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, so it is true that the time of breakup is the most dangerous time in an abusive relationship. And why, why is that? Because abusive relationships are all about control and a breakup breaks that control, right? So people, especially, you know, my experience is in, um, especially in teen relationships, that, that a volatile reaction can definitely happen after a breakup. So when we say, just break up with that person, you know, or whatever you call it, stop seeing them, stop talking to them. If it's truly an abusive relationship, if they don't have a safety plan um, to leave, then that's bad advice. So the most important thing, if you feel unsafe, there are resources. So this is the, um, when we feel unsafe, and I've talked to so many people who have felt unsafe in relationships, but they don't know, they're not calling it abuse and violence, so they would never call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. They don't know that love is respect, which is really focused on teen relationships, healthy and unhealthy, exists. But you can call these anonymous hotlines and get advice, guidance. And most importantly, in my opinion, it's totally anonymous. You just give them your zip code. They can tell you what resources are out there, right, in your local area. So because abuse is such a big problem, we have, we could always have more, more than one in three women, nearly one in three men and one in two trans uh, or non-binary people will be in an abusive relationship in their lifetime. That is staggering when you think yeah, about it. it is. Um, so that's why every town has a domestic violence shelter. That's why the National Domestic Violence Hotline services, I don't even know how many calls a year, but really the as a friend or as someone in a relationship, you can call these resources and these are trained folks. They will be calm. 
They will not be judgy or preachy. They will answer your questions and they'll try to bridge you to the resources that you need. Um, the other really important thing in leaving a relationship that's abusive, um, it doesn't happen overnight. You have to start bringing your friends in and your supporters in. Other people need to know. Um, Sharon Love, who's Yardley's mom, used to say, tell someone, tell anyone, tell everyone. Um, something about it not being a secret. Well, first of all, you empower your friends to help, to be on the lookout. You, If you talk to your school, you know, you. I talked to countless people whose abusive partners have actually been prevented from coming back to school. And the number one thing I would say is this, what we are trying to get rid of is that there is no shame in this. That shame has kept this issue in the dark. The issue is so prevalent. It's an all of us issue. We just don't like to talk about it. So I think trying to, um, our hope is that by more people talking about healthy and unhealthy relationships, by teaching people that unhealthy can become abusive, that we normalize a conversation that many of us just never knew how to have before. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of this. I mean, I think it's really helpful because like you mentioned, the getting out stage is so difficult and really sharing with people, uh, having friends or other resources know about it can just really help from what I've heard. And I, I know that just the more people involved, as long as it's not like you're holding everything inside or dealing with yourself, that is the best approach. And as we're talking, learning about all these differences can really help us understand not just about romantic relationships, but also our friends and family, and really help us set expectations for how we want to be treated. We've talked a lot about what makes for an unhealthy relationship. So can you leave us with some thoughts on how to define a healthy, loving relationship that's not necessarily romantic? Yeah, the, the amazingly fortuitous thing is that we, when in, in trying to really lead this work to end relationship abuse and build a world where people have healthier relationships, we created the 10 signs of unhealthy and healthy with researchers. They'd never really been defined before. Um, but the 10 signs of healthy relationships are super important. And at the earliest stages is, is it progressing at a comfortable pace? Like, does it feel rushed? Do you feel like, do you feel it being forced to like call it to, to be like in a serious relationship when you're not quite ready, like comfortable pace matters. And it's one of the hardest things in the early stages of a relationship to, to learn to articulate because you're so afraid. If you say, I just want to slow down a little that the person's going to think you don't like them. So again, like just knowing that that's a, a healthy relationship is moving at a pace that everybody's comfortable with. Um, I talked a lot today about trust. Um, the only way that you can build the base of trust that is in, that helps you have a healthy relationship is if you have honest communication, if you respect each other's feelings, if you have compassion for each other. Um, so I think that the 10 signs of healthy relationships, which um, just have become an invaluable tool for really understanding all this unstructured data we have about our relationship. And the, the beauty is when when young people do our workshops and programs, um, what you see is them going, oh, I've seen that before. Oh, this isn't like all of a sudden an issue they thought was not relevant to them. They're really, like, oh, shoot, that happened yesterday. And I'm not talking about physical assault. I'm talking about, you know, belittling or sabotage or whatever it is. So I think my, my advice would be, you know, the 10 signs are a pretty simple thing to familiarize yourself with. And it gives you, an, uh, and to familiarize your friends with. I, I've talked to lots of people that keep a 10 signs card in their wallet. 
And it be, even in my family, it becomes like a little joke. Like if I do something, my oldest son is a senior in high school, I'll be like, that seemed a little intense, you know, like, so the verbal checks are like, or that's not love, which is one of our campaigns, like learn to have the conversation without it being some big dramatic thing yeah, and learn definitely. to focus on practicing healthy. And to your point, those 10 signs, comfortable pace matters in friendship, trust matters in friendship, honesty matters in family relationships. All it's the same behaviors. It's no different. Cause at the end of the day, it's sort of the 10 signs of relationships for every kind of relationship in your life. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of overlap there. So I think looking for what you want in a romantic relationship, a friendship, a family member, there's so much there that just can really be applied to all of them. And I think it's really important to take that into account that this isn't just for romantic relationships. Oh, um, yeah, so it's just gonna be seen in lots of areas of your life. But anyway, thanks so much for doing this today. Thanks everyone for listening. And where can we learn more about One Love and how to have positive relationships? Yeah, so our website is www.joinonelove.org, all words. Um, and we have tons of stuff there, including information about our workshops and our campus ambassador program, which is an awesome leadership opportunity if anybody wants to go deeper on this. Um, we obviously are on social channels too, Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook, although I know none of you guys are there. Um, so, so please follow us, get involved. I mean, this is an issue I truly believe helps. Everyone should have a selfish interest in, in learning how to be healthy and avoid or be, or be less unhealthy. Um, healthy relationships impact everything in your life, social outcomes, your social outcomes, your grades, your, you know, your physical health, your mental health. So it's a pretty simple thing to start to learn and practice. And we welcome anybody who wants to get involved, get involved. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this, Katie. I really, really appreciate this because I know for me, for even high schoolers, dating is such a big part of our lives, knowing how to navigate them, especially. And then in college as well, that's really where it ramps up a lot. So yeah, I'm so glad we could do this today. And thanks everyone for joining us.